Welcome to the Bread and Circuses Podcast, brought to you by Digital Pizza, where your hosts talk about anything they damn well please. So strap in while Rome burns, and enjoy this shit show. It's me, Rooster, back with Crow. What do you got for me? Hello. It's my new thing. I keep hoping. I keep hoping it's going to be something really cool. Because none of the other ones were. No, some of them were. i got to be honest. Some of them were. All right, we're going to talk about something that while we're talking about it might be old news, but we're not really focusing on that so much as the ramifications of it. This whole university scandal with uh, Felicity Huffman and... Lori, is it Lachlan or Laughlin? Or? Is that the one from Full House? Yeah. yeah Becky know. from Full House. Is up to some shady shit. <laughs> <clears throat> so I'm sure there's, between the time we're recording this and when it airs, there's going to be more that comes out. But basically, uh, at least some of the facts is I know them at this point, was that Felicity Huffman and Lori Lachlan have been uh, – uh, arrested at gunpoint. Was it really by FBI I, I agents? I did not know that. Yeah, it was kind of. That's amazing. It's kind of neat to see him come after the lefties like that. You know? Yeah, Felicity Huffman. They came to her house, and uh, seven agents with guns drawn. And wow. she was like, she was like, seriously, I would have just surrendered. You know? Isn't that, I find. I mean, that's funny that the lefties are getting a taste of it because of what happened to what Roger Stone. Right, but that's why I want to bring this up. I mean, we'll we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. But um, so she. <laughs> These are supposed to be smart people. She and I, they haven't uh, charged her husband, William H. Macy, yet. Um, lead in uh, Shameless TV show. He was on ER years ago and stuff. Really good actor. And Felicity Huffman, who was one of the main characters on Desperate Housewives. She's been in a bunch of other stuff. Um, oh, that's who that is. Okay. Yeah. So she uh, she was charged and released on a quarter million dollars bail or a quarter million dollar bond which is a shit ton of money for um, a crime. I mean, when your bond is that high, you've done some really bad shit. So she paid $15,000. And like I said, they haven't charged William H. Macy at this point, but it sounds like they're probably going to. Uh, She paid $15,000 to have her daughter's SAT scores changed by someone. And what I thought was incredibly funny about it was it was changed from 1,060-something, and they added about 400 points. Now, the SAT scale is like 800 on verbal and 800 on math. So if you ace it, it's 1,600 points, right? Am I right? Yeah, I don't math well. So uh, I thought, well, you know, 1,000-something is a little above average because, you know, between 0 and 1,600 – it turns out average is like 1280 and the top 25% is just slightly north of 1500 So even after they paid $15,000 to do this, her daughter's still a dummy. <laughs> not even not – even, she paid $15,000. She didn't even get to average. But – and this is where I'm a little fuzzy on this. I think I have this right. So she still wound up going to USC, uh, which is – you know, a big state – it's not a state school. It's a private school, but it's very prestigious. 
Um, she wound up going there, and she's like now a YouTuber or something. She's, oh, okay, that's the one, the YouTuber. Yeah, but she even was on YouTube talking about how awesome it was going to be that she's going to USC because of parties and all that stuff. Because she doesn't really care about school, you know. You, those of you who follow my channel, no, I don't really care about school. And then a couple days later, she had to come out on Twitter going, "No, seriously, education really is important to me." But so Felicity Huffman paid this money to help get her daughter into USC. Um, what I find really funny about this is Felicity Huffman. I had heard this and I couldn't find this, uh, anywhere, but she's, she's a Trump hater. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she and William H. Macy allegedly had said the thing that they could not stand the most about Trump was the lying. You know, I mean, you can't, you can't just lie like that. Rich. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can cheat to get your kids into a good school, which I guess, I mean, you could make the case was lying, but it's more like bribery. Yeah. It's you whole, know, it's a whole different, uh, I mean, strata. once, once they paid for the test, it wasn't a lie. The score actually was 1400. So, you know, it's not really a lie. But the, what I did find was she said post Trump being elected, she was going to join the women's march and that she was going to take her two daughters and her granddaughters and all this stuff there because, you know, it was really a feminist issue, and they really had to stand up for integrity. Oh, yeah. yeah. I integrity. mean, it matters. They can't stand the lying and the lack of integrity. Well, they really it, just can't take. Yeah, it. but that, but that, but in their defense, they're talking about the presidency. They're not talking about real life. Yeah. I mean, real life. Come on. What? <laughs> <laughs> I was just showing Crow that Allstate commercial, of the, or not Allstate, whatever the. Mayhem commercial where they go, what? They're stealing the car. So then Lori Loughlin uh, paid a half a million dollars in what they're calling bribes to get her daughter into, I think it was an Ivy League school. Yeah. So the reason I want to bring all this up, because there's a bunch of stuff about this, but there's two things. These are schools that are either getting a shit ton of government money, right? Um. Or I think in most cases they're private schools, Ivy League schools, USC, Stanford, stuff like that. But don't private schools get a lot of government money? Don't I don't they? think they. I don't know for sure. I don't think they get okay. government money, but they get a nonprofit tax status. Exempt, yeah, exemptions. So, and you may think, what's the big deal? Some rich people spend some money. It goes beyond that. So some of these kids got in, like Lori Lachlan paid. I'm going to say Lachlan. Maybe it's Laughlin. I don't fucking care. You know who I'm talking about. Becky from Full House paid half a million bucks to this guy. Uh, I think it's William, but goes by Rick Springer, who did this for – he's singing now. Sort of funny. Or maybe it's Singer. It's Singer. Yeah. Uh, says he helped 750 families do this. TMZ came up with an audition tape he had for a um, a reality show he wanted to have about him doing this for families. And in the clip, he's like, some people think $10 million. Given $10 million is going to get your kid into school. He goes, nope. To some of these schools, $10 million is nothing. We're talking $30, $40 million you're going to have to pay to get these. He's just flat out saying this, right? So what Becky from Full House did was they made up that her daughters were going to be on the crew team. So to get them in, that was to make their backgrounds more diverse and get them in as athletes and all that. They've never rowed crew in their life. They got pictures of them on indoor rowing machines to show. In some cases, they doctored pictures of other athletes on social media to use them to get in. 
And a lot of these coaches knew about it. One coach, I think a soccer women's soccer coach at Harvard, took four hundred thousand dollars worth of bribes. Oh yeah, there's this there's, guy. Yeah, there's bribery going on left and right. Shit, tons of this stuff. Yeah. You know, well, the word gets out. It's like you can make a shitload of money if you so, just let this guy. Uh... So the left wants to lecture us about the value of college. Now, full disclosure, I went to college. I think college is important. I think you disagree. College teaches you to think critically. If your professors know what they're doing, um, I think it is a little different right now. But yeah, right now, and I think it's as we mentioned before. Jonathan Haidt was bringing this up. I th- I think it's. Not college in general that's kind of fucked up with this stuff right now. I think there are sort of the the leftist strongholds. You get into, Berkeley. Yeah, you get into some of your more Midwestern schools or just your run of the – look, this isn't happening at the University of South Dakota. Right. You know, um, which is still a good school. Um, but it's happening at these sort of elite schools on the – on the uh, left and right coasts and Chicago. You know, University of Chicago is a big one. I'm, I'm not, sure University of Minnesota has some bullshit in there. A lot of teachers that are teaching this kind of uh, leftist crap. Right. No, there's always been some of that. I think uh, I have a friend who I'd love to have in the show sometime, teaches at a Midwestern college, um, that says he has to deal with a lot of this. At the same time, he says he also knows that there are conservative members of the faculty too. But, I mean, we're not t- – this isn't – I don't think colleges in general are as bad as someplace like University of Portland, you know. I mean right. – uh, or – Washington, University of Washington, something like that. But uh, regardless, so the left loves to lecture us about college. They love to lecture us about um, schools important. They love to lecture us about equality and how rich white people um, have been taking advantage of the system. Uh, at least from the people we've seen named in this, most of them are white, rich elitists. Liberal elitists. Yes. Right. So they tell you one thing. And they do another. Right. This is just like, and I hate bringing up AOC all the time. And I'm going to, like Blonde says, I, I, I feel douchey calling her AOC, but I'm not going to keep sitting here and <laughs> saying, I'm not going to do it, you know? Just say it with uh, with flair. No. <laughs> so, it, you know, AOC says, oh, I'm from the Bronx. No, you're not. You came from a well-off family. Uh, upper middle class family. You went to Boston University. You're, you're not Jenny from the block. Okay. So they love to sit there and trumpet this stuff about, oh, you know, the downtrodden and they hate brown people. And it's all bullshit. They're all making it up. You know, this idea that you, that, it, um, we have to have all this equality. We've, we've got more equality here than anywhere else. You know, Vince from Red Elephants was saying, um, and I didn't. It's a YouTube I, channel. I didn't check these statistics, but I'm willing. He's, he's on. He's on yeah. point with this stuff. My point is, I just I usually like to verify this right. stuff instead of just buying it. But I didn't have time to do that. He said uh, there's. He was talking about gun violence in the United States, which is not a topic I want to go off on. But he said uh, he was giving out the percentages of different races we have here. He goes, no other first world country has that. None of them have the percentage of black people, Hispanic people, right. all that that we have. None of them. So we are more diverse than any other first world country. Okay, so let's get off the fucking diversity train. Because diversity for the sake of diversity is bullshit. So they love to lecture us about this stuff. But they don't want to play by those rules. Uh, Felicity Huffman's daughter, and I feel okay saying this because I believe she's not a minor, is a dummy. 
you know? Some of these kids knew about this. Some of them didn't. But a lot of the kids knew about it. They're like, yeah, mom and dad are going to get me into the... the majority did. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to say for sure, but I'm suspecting yeah, that. I most. don't know. Yeah. And I kind of feel bad going after, you know... I mean, I know they're adults when they're getting into college, but, you know, that when you've got helicopter and bulldozer parents who use these kids' status as their status. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, uh, you know, uh, Lori's going to, uh, she's going to yeah, Yale like and she's going to, all it is is she's going to play on the lacrosse team, these you know. Kids, and, these kids are set for, well, they would be set for lives if they weren't such dummies. They'd, you know, because, you know. They're dummies and they're set for life. Their parents, mom and dad have half a million dollars to blow on getting you into college. Yeah. So, so it's not like they need to get into these Ivy League schools to have a fulfilling life. Except that Ben Shapiro points this out. Ben Shapiro went to Harvard for grad school, his law, law degree, but he went to UCLA and he always makes a joke about how UCLA is better than USC. They're rivals. One's a state school and one's a private school. Um, but he said, many of these schools are what you get into in sort of these administrative government positions. You know, these are the farm factories for all this. And when you look at um, the Supreme Court, basically everybody's from two schools, you know. So is this the parents thinking, my kid is going to be important. My child is yes. going to be in politics and they're going to make a difference. I don't know if they're thinking they're going to be in politics and they're going to make a difference. But they know they're going to rub elbows with those people. Okay. You know, that would be my guess. Or it's just a penis measuring thing and you're saying, well, so-and-so who's not on TV got yeah. their kid into that. So I better get my fucking kid in there. You know, yeah, I'm sure there's an element of that. Yeah. But they, you were saying, yeah, so they, they, you know, point to the other side and say that this is what they do and this is how evil they are and they're doing all this shit. But let's talk, they're, they're, they're the racists too. They're, they absolutely they're are. pointing, it's the same shit. This is the exact same shit they're pulling here where they say that the rich conservatives are just there trying to pull one over and they're doing tax loopholes and they're fucking over the, the lower class in order to get ahead. And they're the ones fucking doing that. So and not tax loopholes. They're actually bribing people. That's not tax tax loop. There's no such thing as a tax, tax loophole. Right. I've said that many times. Yes. The, but just but, real quickly, because I got to say okay. this, there are no loopholes in tax law. No. There are tax laws when they say, well, you can shelter all this money doing it. it's part of the fucking tax law. It's not a it's not a the tax law is such a, a labyrinth, a, 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 a crazy amount of ins and outs to know. That's why you have to hire, especially when you start making more money. You have to hire a, a tax yeah. lawyer specifically. It's not it's not a loophole. It's the ins and outs of the ridiculous amount of fucking wording in the tax code. A loophole implies that there are laws and there are illegalities. And, you know, it's not black and white like that because there's this sort of in-between kind of hazy thing. No, there's not. There is it's stuff either that legal or not legal. you can claim it or you cannot claim it. Now, the IRS can sit there and say, well, legally you can't claim that like that, so that doesn't count. You owe us some money. And you can have that argument if you want. But there's no, hey, buddy, if you just do this... No. The only way you can just do that is it's in the fucking tax code. But I digress. Well, we it's talk just about, something I'm passionate about. We talk about the 
they uh, point their finger at the right and the Republicans and say, racist. So they are the fucking racist. They're the racist, like George Bush said, and I'm sure this isn't his quote, and maybe he got it somewhere else, but it's the um, the soft bigotry of low expectations. And it's the white savior complex that these fucking liberals have. They think they're better than minorities. You know, they think they think they need their voice and their their vast brain power to make life better for other people that just can't do it for themselves. I don't think George Bush said it because he probably said something like, "Well, it's a it's a soft uh, it's it's the big oh, it's the big uh. when, when he was in front of a crowd that liked him, he spoke well. When he was nervous, he just, fucked it up. I laugh at that whole thing about uh, fool me once, can't fool me oh, again. You know, never fool me again. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a saying in Tennessee. You have it in Texas. Yeah, so close. yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Anyway, Fuck. but so I was pulling a crow the other night. And I told you this. Um, sounds, sounds sexy, whatever that is. No, it wasn't. Oh. Um, I was screaming at my radio in the car. <laughs> yeah, that's that's something I do. Because they were uh, they had AOC on there, and she was saying she's uh, talking to some, of course, home team audience because she never goes anywhere where anyone criticizes her. Stephen Crowder brought this up. Yeah, that was. He goes, she's funny because I didn't realize. He goes, she that. never does. She never yeah. goes to a hostile audience ever. And if you notice, there aren't a whole lot of. Uh, a whole lot of Democrats that'll come on Fox News either. I mean, yep. they've got their contributors, but you won't. They invite these people. You'll never see them on there. Anyway, so she said, you know, Reagan was talking about um, in his 1964 speech about welfare queens and all this stuff, and he goes, "We know that he, you know, the picture he was painting was of these black women who society was already keeping down anyway." And I'm just yelling at the radio, going, "Bitch, you're a fucking liar." Uh-huh. Okay, there are more white people on welfare than there are black people. That's absolutely yeah. truth. Okay, there are more white people gaming the system than black people. Reagan never makes any any racial Ill- distinction. Yeah, yeah, never mentions it one time. And she goes, "Well, we know what he meant." And I'm sick of this fucking shit where people get to tell me what I meant when I said what I said. Yeah. You know. I hate that. They say, well, what you really mean? And I go, I didn't mean that at all. And they go, well, you may not mean it, but subconsciously you're saying it because my racism. Yeah. And so she's talking about, you know, these welfare queens and he's painting a picture and because he hates brown people. Well, this is on Larry Elder's show. For those of you who don't know who Larry is, Larry is a black conservative out of Los Angeles. It's a radio show. Um, here it's on the Patriot. Um, anyway, uh, he said when Reagan took office in 1982, black unemployment was 20%. Coming out of the Carter administration, you know, one of those other white savior types mm-hmm. who fucking ran the country right into the ground. Um, he, uh, he, it, he inherited a 20%. By 1989, it was 11%. So it was basically slightly better than 1% increase per year. White unemployment at that time went down by half that rate. So if he was pitting black people against white people, like AOC says he was doing, he did it very poorly. He didn't deliver for white people. Right. So despite Reagan's uh, institutional racism and his attempt to keep the black man down, he didn't do it very well. And he fucked up and doubled uh, the success of black people in that period. And I just... I hate that these people 
can say shit like this. And I'm tempted, I am tempted to get on Twitter just for the sole purpose of throwing out the hashtag, she's a racist. Because she is. She's a flat out fucking racist. Okay, I wouldn't go that far. Because here's the thing, Rooster. Reagan only made things better financially for blacks because he was giving them all AIDS. Yeah. So there is that. I I love I love that uh, Reagan never said anything of the sort, never <laughs> and about you know black versus white, all that stuff, never. And don't give me this trickle down economic stuff. Reagan never said that either. That was. That was leftists who yeah. came up with that term for what was trickle-down economics? Free market capitalism. They called it yeah. trickle-down economics. And, and it, I didn't just say that AIDS thing out of my ass. That that was another conspiracy theory that the AIDS, the, the AIDS epidemic hit the black community very hard in America, and that was because um, of Reagan. And again, far more white people died yeah. from AIDS. So, it, it, But that was a, another conspiracy theory. Well, if he was trying to get rid of black people, he fucked that up too because yeah. he killed way more white people. Um, you know, that's like saying, I have rats, so I'm going to burn my house down. <laughs> you know? So, I... But this it just pisses me off when they get to get away with this stuff. And yet Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton, oh, and Bill Clinton too get to sit up there and go after crack because they say these black people are dangerous well they're super predators yeah these inner city black people are super predators you know it's it's fucking crazy they flat out said it yeah but but you know what uh if the black people aren't careful the republicans will have them all back in chains yeah that's another quote from fucking biden and when he said it it was so pandering and so smarmy. I oh that if you ever see that speech where he says they'll have y'all back in chains, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the worst. Well, and that was right when he and he asked uh, Hillary if he could borrow her hot sauce <laughs> <laughs> that she keeps in her purse. Yeah. yeah. So God. Thomas Sowell, oh. Thomas Sowell brought this up one time when he was talking about slavery. He said we're the only country that ever fought a war to stop slavery, and I didn't understand what he meant. I'm like, that doesn't sound good. That sounds like we hung on to it real tight. You know, we actually had to fight a war, whereas, like, other countries just said, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. But the, the point he was making was the North, the, the conservative abolitionist North, wanted to take slavery away from the leftist South. That's what they wanted to do. And so they actually died. People died to do that. And the idea that, you know, all of these abolitionists were racist and everything, it's like there's there's no there's no better example of people putting integrity in front of that, you know, in front of their racism. If if the United States was really truly a racist country, and I'm not saying there aren't elements of racism, I'm I'm not going, well, we had a black president, so no racism. There are certainly racist people. But again, to Sol's point... And there's racism from every race. Right. Towards every race. Well, but see, you can't be racist if you don't have the power. Yeah. You know? Oh, yes. That's another... uh, Revisionist history. Leftists love to to reword and rework everything. Yeah. So, uh, I lost my train of thought there. Uh, So, Sol was talking about... He said, you know, these people are putting, you know, their own lives at risk if they're racist... For people they don't care about, right? That makes no sense whatsoever. 
And, you know, then the the left will try and deflect and say, well, no, those those were really conservatives in the South. They weren't. And, uh, you know, they they were uh, because it all flipped in 1965 or whatever. Well, that's got nothing to do with what was going on 100 years before that, you know. Yeah. So it's it's absolutely stupid. And, you know, these people like her will point out racism all the time. We've mentioned Ilhan Omar way more than she needs to be mentioned, but she will talk about how the United States is an inherently racist country. When she came from a shithole country, yes, it was a shithole country. Somalia is, was, and probably forever shall be. For a long time in the future, will um, be a shithole. Um, so she came from there. She spent four years in a in a refugee camp, I think in Ethiopia, um, and came to the United States, which is a country that's given her a life, you know, an opportunity, and now she's in Congress. A prestige. Yeah. And so if we're that bad, if the right's that terrible and we can't wait to stop her and everything, she must be a fucking superhero because despite all of that, she got into Congress. Yeah, whatever. No, she got into Congress because she's an activist in an activist district. With a bunch of leftist whites that have the that white are, savior complex. That are never going to vote her out because she's in one of the highest concentrations of Somali areas in the country next to uh, uh, New York and Los Angeles. And they're they're never going to vote her out. She's going to be in there. She can say all sorts of batshit crazy stuff. You know, Tlaib is from uh, Dearborn. She's going to be there for good. And AOC is from... Well, whatever district that she's in, she basically won by getting 15,000 primary votes and throwing the other, you know, long-time establishment Democrat out of there. Probably not going to get her out of there either because she got 3 million Twitter followers. Yeah. So they didn't get in on some huge wave of righteousness and everything. They're in a spot that made sense for them. It's like, you know, yeah, they, watching they, Republicans getting elected in Salt Lake City. It's not that surprising. It's basically tactical elections. I mean, that's what they're doing. They know what they're doing. They know where they're going. They know the demographics and they work it. They work the they work the system, which is kind of how it's set up to, to be done. But my point is, where does an uneducated, because she was uneducated at the time, where does an uneducated refugee rise to the point of being in Congress? Where else in uh, the world does that happen? Wakanda forever. Yeah, Wakanda forever. You know, Wakanda's not real, right? Blasphemy. I saw it in the movie, but it's not real. Uh, according to Kamala, Kamala Harris, as always, she, her presidential bid ended with the words, as always, Wakanda forever. <laughs> so it must be real. Yeah. Uh, let's before we move on. Or were you done with that? No, I just I think hashtag she's a racist. Yeah. Hashtag she's a racist. Like Somebody it. on Twitter throw I it think, out there. I think they need to. Yeah. That's good. That's, That's good. it. I got to get on Twitter. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this whole point is it's do as I say, not as I do. So the left is going to tell you you're a miserable son of a bitch because. Oh, you know, what is it? Uh, hanging on to your guns and your Bibles. Wasn't that? Uh, that was Obama's quote. Yeah, well, that was Obama's quote. Uh, trashing just sort of middle America yeah, for being we're, racist. We're bigots and racist because we don't understand and we're just clinging on to our, our guns and our Bibles, which didn't make any sense. But, it's you know, that's that doesn't matter to the, to the left. Did I did I talk to you about um, and this is related my uh, example talking about the NFL and racism with my 
with my kids. Did we talk about this before? I think we might have. Okay. That sounds familiar. Just the idea that... But we've done a lot of these. This is a... But 90% of the NFL is is black. Yeah. It's a meritocracy, you know? Yeah, but it's, you know, it's a plantation owners and the slaves. You see, they're picking cotton for the plantation owners. Yeah, they, made, they, they, they make got, millions of dollars. The NFL got, has created more millionaires than any and, other entity in the country. And the, the quarterbacks, they're kind of like the, uh, the enforcers of the plantation, cracking that whip. Right. See how that works? Yes, I do. So uh, the NFL as a whole has no problem with blacks playing football in 95% of the positions. Okay. That's how they make their money because they acknowledge they're better at it. But when it comes to the quarterback, suddenly they're racist. The most important position in the most profitable sport in the world, I think in the NFL is the most profitable. Maybe soccer beats it worldwide, but um, that's where they go. Well, I can't have one of those Negroes playing quarterback. I can have him doing everything else. Next but thing you know, he'd be dating my daughter. Yeah, it's it's so stupid. So I was telling my kids that, and I said, you notice how there are more blacks playing all the other positions? They're like, yeah. I said, um, so that's probably because they're better, right? I said, yeah. And I said, but most of the quarterbacks are white. And they went, yeah. And I said, that's because owners are racist, right? And my son looks at me. He's like, uh... That doesn't make sense. Did he go never go full retard? He goes, goes, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, I know it doesn't, but you have to go along with me because my feels. Yeah. I said, I care. (laughs) So, yeah, it's it's stupid, but it goes back to this whole thing about the left wants to lecture you and tell you you're a bad person. And yet they do this shit because in their mind, they're justified. Again, they're virtuous. This doesn't really matter. Nobody's hurt by this. Except the kids who didn't get into those spots, who, by the way, are suing these colleges. Good. And I hope they win. No, not good. Because you know who's going to pay for those Uh, lawsuits? Good point. Taxpayers. Yeah, good point. So I think my parents would cringe. Okay? And again, I said, I'm a college guy. I want my kids to go to college. But I'm starting to think we have to take nationwide university system and burn it down. Start fresh? We have to start all over again. Yeah. I, I I agree. And we have to do it where people aren't afraid to be called a racist. There's a great quote by W.C. Fields that says, it's not what they call you that matters. It's what you answer to. <sighs> so when somebody calls you a racist, say, fuck you. Bullshit. You're a racist. And you're a miserable human being for even trying to prove it. And I can prove to you, well, you're a racist. Because everybody you look at, you look at as based on their color. I don't care. I don't care. You do. And that's hashtag she's a racist. So we got to do it. All right. Table topics. Yep. You ready? Oh, I'm ready. In order of importance, how would you rank love, spirituality, and freedom? I know exactly how you're going to do this. Um, one, B, and Roman numeral two. What? That's that's my answer. Say it again. I'm sorry. How, in order of importance, how would you rank love, spirituality, and freedom? Freedom one. Uh, <laughs> what? I or, thought you were going to go three, three, three. Freedom one. <laughs> the other two, yeah, whatever. Interchangeable. Yeah, I'm kind of, freedom's the most important thing. Yeah. You got to be, you know. I'm free to love. 
Ben Shapiro had this thing uh, that really sort of crystallized it for me when we were talking about rights versus, you know, what's really a right. He goes, healthcare is not a right. Healthcare is the thing that government provides you. He goes, rights are things you are entitled to regardless of the government. And freedom is one of them. If you don't have freedom, none of this other shit matters. Which is the left wants to get rid of. They yeah. they want government mommy, daddy to take care of them. And that's your freedom's gone at that point. Well, I hear people talk about prison a lot and say, well, you know, these guys get treated pretty well in there. They get, you know, access to a gym and three square meals a day. And they get to watch cable TV and they don't have to do shit. I'm thinking, except for the fact that they don't get to leave and make their own choices. And no opportunity to do anything other than that. Yeah. That's it. That's your life. Yeah. There's nothing to aspire to. What, what what kind of life is that? Have you ever watched that TV show, 60 Days In? No. Gives you a real good idea what, what jail's like. I don't think this is federal prison. This is like state jails okay. and stuff. It's like the big common area and then the rooms off of it and stuff. It's just, These guys just sit there in like a big pen. How miserable. I know. They're freaking feral animals after I mean, a while. You don't, what, what kind of – what life do you have? What What aspirations do you have at that point? Nothing. You're just existing. Yeah. So I don't know. For me, spirituality second because I think spirituality is being able to be comfortable with yourself. I mean, you don't necessarily have to believe in God to be a spiritual person. What if you burn sage and and, uh, and hang crystals? Uh, then you're a lesbian. Um, <laughs> you have to leave it's only your, if you have a Subaru. Yeah, you have to leave your outer prints unshaved too. Um, but so I think spirituality is sort of how you view the universe and stuff and being comfortable with it yourself. And I don't think you can actually love anybody until you're. Yeah, but you can you can have a a a, a fulfilled life. I think without uh, spirituality, you you're probably not going to have a, a full fulfilled life without some love in your life. Oh, see, I might I might go the other way on that one. Really? So I I got to ask this. This would actually be a good table topic thing. If you could be, if you could be. Free of the worry of money for your life, right? No matter what you want to do. And I'm not talking about like, you know, Mark Cuban, Bill Gates kind of money, right? Mm -hmm. Not Jeff Bezos kind of stuff. But, you know, be a multimillionaire so that you could do whatever you want. Never had to work. You could spend all day traveling or playing PlayStation or going to movies or reading or whatever ones you do. You know, you're, think Star Trek. There's no money anymore. Just get to do what you want. Um, but you could never be in love or you could be in love and you'd never have that kind of money. What would you pick? The sex dungeon. You would? <laughs> I don't know where that falls in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need money to build the sex dungeon. Yeah, that's true. I just, you know, I think, you know, maybe later in life you'd be lonely, you know, but yeah. I, uh, yeah, but here's okay. I don't have. I don't consider myself having any spirituality at all. See how I would define spirituality? I think you do. Well, you'd be wrong because uh, not by my definition. I, I mean, I'm of the opinion that uh, it's nothing. It's all cosmic chance, and uh, uh, at the end is oblivion. Right. So it's kind of that that uh, H.P. Lovecraft cosmic horror. We don't mean anything, and nothing matters. Right. Yeah, it's it's a warm it's a warm thought. So deep down, deep down, if I'm honest with myself, that's probably how I feel. Now I'm hopeful that there's something more. You know, that's why I tend to say I'm kind of agnostic. But if I'm realistic, I, you're hedging yeah, your bets. I, I don't believe any anything, and so 
that doesn't mean that I can't. And, and if you dwell on stuff like that too long, you'll go fucking nuts. You'll, you'll spiral down into a, you know, like a despair. So don't, don't start thinking about that. But if you, if you don't dwell on that, like what's the afterlife and what, what's the meaning of life and all that. If you don't dwell on that, but you have relationships where you have connections with people and, you know, love, whatever form it is, you know, romantic love or just familial love or, you know, friendship love. If you have that, you can have a good, rich life. Or what you have with that masseuse you see twice a week? Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> we won't go there. That's but... ju- that's just a monetary exchange. <laughs> but but you see what I'm saying? You, you can you can have a good, rich, fulfilling life and be contributing to, to other people's lives if you have got love in your life. You don't have to have spirit, spirituality for that. I wonder about someone like uh, Sir Isaac Newton, who died a virgin, never had you know, never had any. Uh, uh, any like romantic relationships that I think anybody's aware of um, might have might have even been gay for all we know. Yeah. But I mean, you look at it and go, that guy did some shit. Yeah. You know, is did, was he at the end of it? Did he go, damn, or was he like, I did some stuff? Did he feel like he, yeah? Did he contribute and fulfilled? Had a fulfilled right. life? I don't know. So interestingly, you're talking about spirituality. I was talking to someone who I thought was a Buddhist at one point. And was talking about Buddhism because I've always been sort of intrigued by it. And they said the problem with Buddhism is the hopelessness of it. And I was like, what? And they said, you know, in Buddhism, you believe all this stuff. And you're so, I, I would, and I think you'd probably agree, that you would see practicing Buddhists as very spiritual people. You'd think, you'd think so, yeah. But they don't really believe in a higher power. They just believe in the universe. And so you die and you're just sort of dispersed. You know, I mean, you can sort of become one, but that's not really what happens and you got to redo it kind of thing. And, you know, and so sounds kind of atheistic, something I thought was very spiritual um, in the sense of like Christianity being spiritual or something, you know, believing in something um, turns out to not be as spiritual. And so I think for me. If you, you can be an atheist or an agnostic or whatever, but it, like if you love what you do your job or a hobby you have that you pour yourself into and that makes you feel good, like like really sort of centers you and makes you feel calm and all that stuff, like meditatively sort of, I think that makes you kind of a spiritual person. Hmm. So We should have a, uh, a uh, religious uh, philosopher or a priest or, a, or a, somebody with some religious background on his guest to talk about these deep issues because I didn't think you were going to get to this deep stuff and I know episode. sometimes sometimes these table topics are pretty deep all right next one uh who's the best teacher you've ever had mr worst yeah true mr worst he was a hist- my high school my high school history teacher his name was mr worst it's a german sausage maker that's <laughs> just funny the best teacher was the worst really yeah he uh he made it fun he made uh i had, i had a lot of teachers that were that didn't care you could tell they were checked out and they 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 taught, but they didn't, they, you know, they, they just, it was all rote and he made it fun. He would tell stories. He'd sit on his desk and like in the middle of, of, of doing a, a, a lesson and he'd kind of go into a tangent, but it'd be history related. So it was interesting because he was, you could tell he, he was interested in what he was talking about. So it was, there was passion between, behind what he was saying. And, uh, he wasn't a liberal kind of like, you know, goody two shoes, kind of cucky kind of guy either. He was a man's man which was cool. And, but he also did stuff like if we talk about certain eras, he'd give you 
extra credit. Like, I don't know how we came to do this, but me and my friend, we'd show up. Like, we were talking about the 50s, and we showed up dressed like greasers. And he gave us extra credit for that. You were a cosplayer from the jump, weren't I cos- you? I cosplayed. That's where, that's where it all started. No. Just so you guys know, Crow is going somewhere to LARP this weekend, so I can't stop making fun of him. <laughs> Nerd. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Next question. You're going to edit that out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I got, I got edit power. That's, le- that's going out. Uh, Everybody's going to want to know, what the hell is he editing out? <laughs> You're not going to know. I'm just going to know that I edited. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there was um, – I had I had two of them, one in high school and one in college. Uh, the high school one was a writing uh, teacher, and he was just cool. Like when we came in every day – I mean, you're junior and senior in high school. I mean, you're, you're an idiot, right? And we'd come in there like all fired up to yep. like fourth period or whatever, and he'd, he'd say, all right. Good people, he'd call us out all the time. You got anything to get off your chest? First 10 minutes of class was just, you know, hey, I think this. And, you know, we just sort of talked about stuff. And you'd be like, and he'd be like, all right, now let's get back to it. And that has shaped, in a large part, my management philosophy for work. Is just, you know, you got to you gotta give people a chance to talk and sort of connect with them. Break the ice a little bit. Yeah. And uh, so whatever was like bugging us or whatever. We got off our chest and they'd be like, all right, we need to get back to it. Let's, and Mm -hmm. there was that. And then he would give us a writing assignment, but he would always give it to us on Thursday. And we'd be like, why? And he said, because Friday's a cool day. And I don't want to bum you out on your weekend by giving you a writing assignment. So it was due on Thursday and you got the next one on Thursday and you had all day in class. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And he just, he was just somebody who, who, um, uh, he really connected with kids and he passed away a few years ago and uh, I never really, I, I ran into him a couple times, but it was one of those things where I never really got to sit down again and tell him how much he meant to me. Yeah. But uh, I mean, if I can write at all and I think I'm a decent writer, um, I owe most of that to him. And then the second one was I had a college professor who was in my department. And so he was the kind of guy, if he was having a class, I just took it. Partially because it was in my major and I needed a certain amount to graduate, but I loved his classes. And he taught stuff like persuasion and rhetoric and how to build an argument. And he was famous for giving these blue book tests for people who haven't heard of those before. It's just basically the blue book's an empty book and you composition book and you just write in it. And uh, so his tests would be two hours long, three questions. You only had to answer two of them. And you would fill a book on each one of these questions. It was like, this or this, make your point, go, you know? And one of them was you had to write, it was a take-home test. Um, so you had to write uh, a speech. So it was Socrates goes back or goes forward in time to meet Ronald Reagan and prove to Ronald Reagan that he's really just a sophist, right? He's, you know, he's a populist, basically. And uh, so I wrote it and did it from like a role-play perspective because – I can't remember who Phaedrus was to Socrates, but Phaedrus was with him. And it was like Socrates says, you know, starts asking questions like Socrates would do. And he'd get you to agree to a premise and then say, okay, but this, this. And so he does it and Phaedrus goes, oh, God, I know where this is going. I'm leaving. He's <laughs> like, I got to go get a pizza or something. And that's where we get the Socratic method. Yeah. So anyway, um, I, I wrote that and he said, hey, you kind of have a knack for this. So... He had another question on another test, and I walk out of the test, and he's outside the building just sort of smoking a cigarette, and he was this little nebbish guy. And uh, 
He says, well, what'd you think of the test? And I said, well, it was kind of tough. But he goes, did you answer question three? And I said, yeah, I did. I did one and three. He goes, good. And I said, why? He goes, I kind of wrote three to see what you'd say. Hmm. I said, you wrote a test question to see what I'd do. He goes, yeah, I didn't think anybody else would do it. He goes, so I wanted to see what you'd write. Huh. I'm thinking, this guy's got, at that point, 60 to 100 students in all these different classes he's got. And he wrote a test question to see what I would say. And that was just, it was cool. Either that or he's really good at blowing smoke. So every student he said that. Yeah, no, he wasn't. Really good he that. wasn't that kind of okay. guy. But no, I've saved. I've saved those papers I wrote. Saved those tests I had just for the notes he had on them. And uh, he passed away a few years ago. Um, never really got to connect up with him again. I chatted with him briefly on Facebook, and yeah, I, yeah, I, I I, I've, I've kind of entertained going back and talking to uh, Mr. Worst and saying, "Hey, you really kind of made an impact." But you were the best. Yeah, you're the best, worst. But I suspect he's I suspect he's gone. I mean, either not in the school or gone, gone. So at yeah. This point, so well, that was like a hundred years ago. People yeah. don't live that long. Yeah. So all right, no more table topics. All right. Um, you want to talk about? Should I quote you on what this says here? When we have our uh, thing of our whiteboard of topics here that we in our pre-show, you wanted to talk about. Yeah. Uh, I think this is a quote from. Crow, the Somali terrorist school bullshit. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Right. Uh, here's a good well, – here's an article. It's tw- uh, TwinCities.com. From and this, Pi- is, this is a Minnesota-Somali issue. Yeah, from Pioneer Press, which is a Minnesota newspaper. And the headline is, 100 million in Minnesota child care fraud for terrorists? Report does not find link, which is a misleading um, – Title and that's what all the leftist papers never do that though. Yeah, all the leftist articles are going to say the same thing that there's no link found between terrorism and fraud and Somali daycares, right? I suspect you're going to tell me otherwise. Well, I'm going to go. I'm going to use the same the same uh, Twin Cities Pioneer Press. Uh, the author is Dave Oric. So it goes a state nonpartisan watchdog Wednesday released a report examining the explosive allegation made last year that $100 million in taxpayer child care fraud was being sent overseas to fund Islamic terrorists. Did they really say explosive when talking about terrorists? <laughs> I see what they did there. Uh, uh, the investigation found fraud is a problem, but $100 million is too large a figure. The terrorism claim could not be substantiated according to the report. A report by the Office of Legislative Auditor was released Wednesday morning, and it will take the better part of the day for lawmakers and advocates to digest and perhaps spin its findings. We'll be updating this story. Here's a quick summary. So this, uh, there was a bunch of, uh, this is not from the article. This is Grow. Last year, there was kind of all kinds of Somalian daycares going up all over Minnesota, and they were, they were, almost all fraudulent. They were all made in order to launder money, in order to bilk the system and take taxpayer money and then redirect it overseas. That? Uh, this report does prove it. Yeah. And the thing is, they're trying to pretend that these these le- leftist liberal um, media 
Um, when even when you search it online on Google, the first page is all all oh, this is all bullshit. This is all bullshit. You have to go keep clicking the next page, the next page before you finally get the truth of the matter. Is that yeah? A lot of it is unsubstantiated, but it, the, the there's a, a, a not just a kernel of truth. There's a there's truth to a lot of it, and just because they don't substantiate. Or know exactly where everything went doesn't mean it didn't go. The there. circumstantial evidence is pretty it's damning. Huge. And uh, lots of lots of flights between here and yeah. you know Mogadishu. And- so they say here's a quick summary. Here's the background of it. So there was a Fox Nine report. Uh, it was based on a report by KMSP TV Fox Nine out of Minnesota here, uh, based largely on a former state investigator turned whistleblower. The report claimed that local taxpayer-subsidized child care centers, especially ones that serve Somali families, were rife with fraud. It left people with the impression that money in cash was being carted through Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport in suitcases to go overseas, where it was often funding uh, terrorist organizations like Al-Shabaab. No, they can't can't trace that the money went to there. Because you can't trace... But right, because they can't trace cash. But they know that they left with suitcases yes, yes. of cash. And once you get in Somalia, it's no holds barred. You can't yeah. trace it. There's no there's no government to help you trace something like something like that. So can you prove that they handed it to terrorist organizations? No. no but the FBI knows yeah. they left the country yeah. with suitcases of cash. Yeah. So they go, Republicans seized on the report as evidence of lax state system being exploited, not only by an immigrant community, but by those with terrorist sympathies. You know, the Republicans, they seized on that. Yeah, because they're racist. Yeah. State officials and some Democrats said the story was overblown, while other Democrats and representatives of the Somali and Muslim communities said the fervor was Islamophobia. Republican lawmakers held Is that when you're afraid of spiders? <laughs> Republican lawmakers held hearings and tasked the legislative auditor, and we'll get to more of this about the auditor, with getting to the bottom of it, what the probe found. So they couldn't find, so it goes briefly, 100 million? Question mark. They couldn't find evidence to substantiate that high figure. The entire program in 2017 involved about $248 million. Uh, here's a quote. On the other hand, we believe the level of CCAP fraud, so CCAP is the program to fund these daycares, is more than the five to six million that prosecutors have been able to prove. But we cannot offer a reliable estimate of how much fraud exists in the program. So what they're saying is, you know, we can actually legitimately prove five to six million of fraud. And it's more, it's probably, I mean, let's be honest, it's more than that. But how much? Not that much probably, right? So, so furthermore, the head of the state team of child care fraud investigators said that the fr- that fraud is pervasive and believed that the 100 million was accurate, based on his view that a number of centers are so poorly run that their entire operation could be called fraudulent. And then there's terrorist question mark. They couldn't substantiate that child care fraud cash went to terrorists. And here's another quote. On the other hand, we found that federal regulatory and law enforcement agencies are concerned that terrorist organizations in certain countries, including Somalia, obtain and use money sent from the United States by immigrants and refugees to family and friends in those countries, unquote. They're they're worried that that's what's happening, but there's no proof of it. So it's not happening. It's just, it's all racism and Islamophobia. Um, Okay, here's here's the big thing. Other problems. The investigation found a, quote, serious rift, unquote, between the Department of Human Services Inspector General and the department's team 
that's supposed to investigate fraud in the child care program. What happened was the team found, oh, God, there's evidence upon evidence. It's like 10, 10 people on this team. And I, does it say the name of the guy who was in charge of that? Because I've seen him testify. I think I'm going to go times. to the next. This is the one paper I'm reporting, and I'll go to the next tab here. But um, they're not reporting the whole story here. They're, they're skipping out a lot of it. And that what happened was this this uh, inspector general didn't like the answer that they got from their team and decided that's not good enough. That's not going to work for me. So what I'll do is I'll get an outside auditing uh, um, organization that will come in and audit you guys and see what you did wrong. Yeah. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? So it also found the inspector general, quote, lacks independence from DHS brass, which were appointed by the governor. I don't care about Okay. Uh, okay. So I'm done with this with this page here. So we're going to go to the Alpha News, which I've talked about before. Before you get into that, just yeah. a, a point, I think. If you were overseas someplace doing stuff the government of the United States thought, if you were, if they thought you were selling guns to enemies of the state, right? And I was tripping over to where you were with suitcases of cash, not money that I got from the state, just my own. I was leaving there and I was, uh, I was, I happened to be in the same city you were in at the same time you were in it. And that you and I had known each other from before and I, I was leaving. They knew I had the cash and I was there and I would land and, uh, I was there for three days and you were there for three days and then you took off and I took off. They wouldn't need, uh, evidence of you and I meeting. They wouldn't need evidence of where that cash went for me to be subject to arrest. Yeah, but it's all happenstance. It's all, it's all quinky dink. Now, you may not be able to convict somebody yeah. on that, but I'm saying they knew this and they're not prosecuting them. But if it was the example I was using, I'd be arrested and questioned. Yeah. So here's from Fox News. Uh, I, I, I said I was going to go to Alpha News, but here's Fox News. They're um, something interesting here. They go, so, you know, the other article said they couldn't substantiate um, um, anything more than five to six million, right? That was proven to be fraudulent and stolen. And as I said, a separate review into whether the department's oversight of the program is adequate to safeguard its financial resources is due early next month. Uh, the Minneapolis area is home to the country's largest small American community, and Nobles is uh, Nobles is the character that uh, had had the report. Um, Nobles noted in his report that it's common for small Americans to send money back to the East African country to help family and friends. He said it's possible that some money uh, defrauded from the program made its ways overseas, but there's no proof. Other than the fact that a hundred of these fucking um, uh, daycares were fraudulently created and ran to begin with. Well, didn't they have sort of undercover cameras of, that showed that basically the kids were unsupervised? If they even had kids, some of them didn't even have kids in them. They they yeah. they'd show up the they'd show up and sign in or something like the parent, and then they leave get a ca get cash and leave like yeah. they get paid for doing that. Um, and then here's a quote: "It is possible that the individuals who sent the money sent it intending to provide support to a terrorist organization." The report states, it all, "It's also possible that individuals in Minnesota sent money to Somalia and other countries to help their families and friends pay for food, medicine, and shelter, but terrorists obtained the money through theft or extortion." Uh, all these possibilities are possibilities, 
but for none of them did we find evidence to substantiate a connection between CCAP, which is the Child Care Assistance Program, that's what that stands for, uh, fraud money and support for t- terrorist organizations. So there's no there's no proof it went to terrorists. Okay, so let's say instead of $100 million through fraudulent daycares that was carried as cash over to Somalia and it was given to terrorist organizations, let's just say instead of that, it was... If they caught him with five or six million dollars, I think it's reasonable to assume that maybe twice that got out. So there was ten to twelve million in money that was taken from fraudulent daycares and was just given to people fine for food and medicine and all that in Somalia. Still fucking illegal. Yeah, what they did was fraud. Still needs to be prosecuted. I'm not saying it doesn't matter that it went to terrorism because it absolutely does matter. It does because that's treason. Yeah. But let's just say let's just say it's not even that. Yeah. It's they still, still need yeah. to be arrested. That money, seriously, what's that money for then? That money's for to help kids that need uh, or parents and kids that need right um, help with with uh, with whatever if they're working parents that need daycare and assistance. That's what that money's for. And, right. And what's it getting used for? This shit. Who knows? Um, but it's not getting used for what the taxpayers had it taken from them for. But but the problem I had, and I, I can't find this, so I, I can't really comment too much on it. What? But the DHS, the one in charge, the woman in charge of the DHS that decided that it wasn't good enough. The report she got from her from her team decided it wasn't good enough, so had the outside auditor come in to to try to dismiss their findings. Um, what's what's her goal? What's her motivation in all this she doesn't want to be called a racist right and that's what pisses me off it's because she she sees the outrage from the somali community or 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 the leftists that say everything's racist if you're if you're pointing out that it's a certain a group of people doing this um and she didn't want that well fuck you it doesn't matter the truth is the truth well and we've talked about this before but i'll never forget the look on former minneapolis mayor betsy hodge's face when Philando Castile got shot here mm-hmm. and all his friends showed up to protest what she was doing. I mean, she threw the, she threw the Native American, uh, homosexual, lesbian, yeah. Yeah, lesbian uh, police chief under the bus. Yep. And that still wasn't enough for them. And they said, you're the problem. And I remember seeing her in that, in that press conference, like Just looking at, looking at those guys, like I'm on your side. And they were like, no, you're not. How can this be? Yeah. And they, she didn't get reelected. And so this woman is sitting there saying, geez, I got a pretty cushy job, and I, I can't be called a racist because that's the worst thing you can ever be called. I have, so. I have family members, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, that have seen these daycares pop up last year, and that it was blatantly obvious that they weren't really daycares because you'd never see parents showing up with kids. And didn't they walk up to the door and they said, no, you can't come in? One of, one of my, one of my uh, uh, relatives. relatives went up to actually – I want to take a tour of this place. Walked in. Oh, no, with, no. With a friend, right? Yep. No, no, no. We're not open. We're not open. When will it be open? No, 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 no. The not, not here. Who can I talk to? No, no, nobody here. So it was like, uh, get out of here. You, you shouldn't be here. Uh, and then you see uh, they they be open, but they cover all their windows. Mm-hmm. Like, so you couldn't see in. And then a month, month and a half later, there'd be like, like a... Law enforcement vehicles showed up pulling out boxes, <laughs> oh, box after box after box. Yeah, you know. So, it, and the the reason you're not hearing much about it is because of this. It's because of the care organization, the uh, 
the uh, Islamic organizations that throw out that, oh, you're, you're focusing on the community because you're Islamophobic. Fuck you very much. I heard – now, I'm considering the source here, Glenn Beck, who's sort of an apocalyptic kind of guy who I – you know, who makes good points sometimes. <laughs> makes good points, but I can't. I mean, he's slightly. Yeah, he rubs me the wrong way a lot. He's slightly less um, apocalyptic than Rush Limbaugh. You know, uh, every every week I tune into Glenn Beck, he's always. I I remember why I didn't tune in before. He's like, "This is gonna be this is gonna be terrible, and the world's gonna end tomorrow." Kind of stuff. He's like that. But he did say, and again, I I don't know. I'm taking his word for it. So consider the source. That uh, care was created by the Islamic Brotherhood, basically to be their PR arm. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. But uh, I've heard the same thing. That care is actually. But I heard the connections of the, and I can't remember. They're, the they're guy's too name. closely tied with terrorist organizations they, that they actually are on lists. Yeah, somebody who's involved in care. They give the name before he's involved with Ilhan Omar and he's yeah. and Rashida Tlaib, and he's uh, he is a Hamas supporter. I mean, he's been caught doing that, or yeah. I don't know. I, I could be totally getting that wrong. That's why I'm not even going to try and throw a name out there. But I well, did hear that. kind of put this into a little bit more focus than I, I think I wasn't clear on it. This Alpha News says the they say the Minnesota State Auditor released on March 13 released a report about the CCAP fraud allegations from Fox 9. Um, real, revealed as much as $100 million of taxpayer money had fraudulently been shipped to Somalia. Okay, we know that. The report is able to identify a serious rift between Minnesota's Department of Human Services, the DHS, and the CCAP. The CCAP manager of investigations identified more than 100 daycare centers under review for fraudulent practices, pinpointing the fraud rate at 50% of the $217 million paid to these child care centers. DHS did not like this conclusion from CCAP and hired their own independent investigators. And And... So, so what we're, can you imagine yeah, the no, fucking, I get it. the, the waste and the reason behind that waste on top of the fraud? It's just, it's just mind blowing to see this kind of shit happen. Well, um, I know I mentioned this the last podcast, but in uh, Reagan's speech, A Time for Choosing, and I could get these numbers wrong. He was talking about, and this is 1964, at the time, um, there were a certain amount of people living under the, Three thousand or thirty five hundred dollar a year poverty level or something like that, and we had the we had some department that was created to fix this, and that department wound up basically having forty seven hundred dollars per person in their budget. He says, of which it appears those families got nine dollars of. Hmm. He goes, we'd have been better off to just give them the damn money. Yeah. He goes, because with their incomes that they had, they would have been lower middle class. Yeah. And I remember Beck talking about this one time, and he said, uh, he said, I can't, what was it? There was something that we had spent money on. If we just took that money and spent it on people's homes, we could pay off three quarters of the mortgages in the country. Really? He goes, and that wouldn't make us better? And so Reagan's point in this time for choosing speech was, government always gets bigger. And he says, our friends on the left, of which he said I used to be one of, um, they always tell you government's going to make it better. He goes, we've had an awful lot of government for an awful long time. How come it's not better? Yeah. So, again, if you haven't listened to that speech, listen to that speech. It's great. Uh, Just really quick uh, to finish this up. It's a short article, this uh, Alpha News. 
The fraud concerns over Minnesota daycare providers have existed for years. The report finds concerns in 2017 were 67% of the CCAP funds. Uh, 146,217,000 went to the top 150 daycare providers, where 100 of those 150 exhibited significant signs of fraud. And but then if you look at the all the all the left articles on there, they're saying, you know, this five to six million is all they found. It really isn't significant. What what does that just tell you right there that I just read from their fucking report? Significant signs of fraud. But she didn't like that from the DHS. She did not like that result because of uh, my, my feelings and my racism and whatever the fuck she's she's worried about the politi- fear. The, yeah, That's the political. Ramifications of it is what she's worried about, and right? Look, That's all it is. And look, we're not we're not saying that all Somalis are terrorists and they're all screwing the government. Well, speak for yourself. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not saying. <laughs> talk to Crow about his point of view, but I'm not saying that all Somalis or most Somalis are bad people. In this case, they did it. You know, and, and at least to some degree. And in this case, even the I'm not saying the the. Everybody involved from top to bottom knew exactly what was happening or that they weren't coerced into it. That's possible. Um, the, the, the people running it knew how to game the system. They did it with the intent of gaming the system. They didn't just fall into this and say, I'd love to open a daycare center and run it, you know, and, 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 and all of a sudden, oh, you know what? We get money from the government. No, that'll help us. Um, and then they kind of decide that, well, as they're, as they're building this daycare center that, Oh, maybe, you know what? They wouldn't know if we did this with the money. What? No, they knew before they even started, before they even fucking signed the papers to get the building, that they were going to commit fraud. Well, and just because Bernie Madoff stole a bunch of money doesn't mean every uh, 70-year-old money manager, you know, white money manager is a bad guy and is stealing money from you either. The point is there are some of these Somali daycares that committed crimes. And... The state auditor is too afraid – I think it's a state auditor who's, whose jurisdiction this falls under – is too afraid to go after them because they're Somali. Doesn't want to look racist. Yeah. I don't care if it's $6 million or $60 million or $600 million. There's an amount there that was stolen through fraud. People have to go to jail. And you see some of this the salivating for the uh, university scandal um, because they are affluent rich people, rich white people that we're doing it. So there's this salivating like, Oh, just nail them to the wall. This is horrendous. Um, because they're not a protected class. So yeah, the only reason, the only reason, uh, you know, people would want to go after these, uh, daycares is because they're racist. Yeah. That's it. That end of story. Full stop. Yeah. So So I thought I'd bring that up. It's a, there's more to this too. But uh, but we'll hear more about it as, as it will goes. Will we? <laughs> will we? Well, our our listeners will hear more about it. Again, it's like I said at the end of the last podcast. That's why we're doing this. We're trying to spread this news. And we're not – we give our opinions on this stuff, but we're not making shit up. You know, yeah. it's out there. And if we're giving opinion, we're telling you it's opinion. Yeah. Or if we don't have the full facts, we'll say, we don't have the full facts yeah. here. We heard this from one source. Here's some conjecture. Yeah. <laughs> like when I said, I heard Beck say this and nobody else, and he's kind of a weirdo, you know. Um, anyway. Uh, I want to bring up this thing about uh, well, Ben Shapiro. We're running out of time here. I know. It's not very long. All right. But so uh, Kara Swisher 
who is a New York Times contributing op-ed writer. She's a uh, tech writer, uh, business tech writer. Uh, she's a, by her own Wikipedia page, a liberal tech business journalist. So she was meeting with, I, I think I'm going to get this right, uh, Susan Wojcicki. Wojcicki. It's a Polish last name, and I don't know how to pronounce it. The uh, CEO of YouTube. It's been the CEO since 2014. And I don't know where they were, but it was some tech conference or something. And Kara says that her 13-year-old son came to her and said, you know, I've been watching some uh, Ben Shapiro videos, and he is, quote, sort of smart, unquote. To which Kara Fisher fucking freaked and said, quote, no, he's not. Not even slightly. He's clever, but he's an idiot. Unquote. You cannot like Ben Shapiro. That's fine. You know, I happen to find him slightly annoying. And every time he does his Trump imitation, when he quotes Trump, he does it like this. Um, it's it's terrible. I, it's not funny. And, Shut up, yeah, Ben. I there's things with with him I disagree with. Also, his his voice is just his voice and his demeanor. His voice is kind of Weasley, and his demeanor is always like. You know. He's got this high-pitched voice. And he's like, hey, I'm, I was talking like this. You're an idiot. Yeah. You know. But he's fucking smart. He is. <laughs> Look, the guy The guy went to law school at Harvard. And he's and he's quick. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's mentally agile. So I don't know who Kara Swisher is. I am sure Kara Swisher, though she disagrees with me on many things, is not an idiot. She's probably even smarter than me. I mean, I'm not I'm not stupid, but I'm not the smartest guy in the world. But I'm willing to bet the pound for pound she is not smarter than Ben Shapiro. And that's not just because he's like five foot two and 140 pounds. <laughs> I think that Ben Shapiro is an intellectual superhero uh, as far as IQ and all that stuff. So her problem, and she wanted to bring this up with Susan, was he goes from uh, Ben Shapiro to Jordan Peterson to two clicks and you're in neo-Nazi town on videos. And I'm saying, bullshit. Yep. No, you're not. I watch a ton of Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, um, you know, Thomas Sowell, Walter Williams. You name a conservative you can think of. And by the way, uh, Jordan Peterson is not a righty. He's a lefty. In some aspects, yes. In many ways. The, the He is a righty like Adam Carolla is a righty. Adam Carolla says, look, I'm probably – he says he used to be pro-choice, but he's pro-drugs. He says – my thing is, take care of your kids. Yeah. Stop shitting out kids. You know. But Gavin McGinnis, Stephen Crowder, all those guys, yeah. All those guys. Watch, yeah. watch them all the time. Okay. I've never seen a neo-Nazi video on Facebook. I've never seen it. Let alone found it two clicks away from Ben Shapiro and Jordan fucking Peterson. Pro- it's not there. Problem is, you're, you're, like I said before, I've said this a few times, their definition of neo-Nazi is not what neo-Nazi is. Their definition of neo-Nazi is uh, populist or or even people that consider themselves nationalists are, are neo-Nazi compared to... Here's my definition of neo-Nazis. Guys walking around carrying swastikas. Or, or guys that think, yeah, neo-Nazis are guys that hate fucking Jews that wanted... That, I hate when I say that. I always say... When I say... <laughs> I know what you mean. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like I, I'm You're not saying they don't like having sex with Jews. No, no. <laughs> like, like as if I'm saying fucking Jews. It's not me saying that. I'm saying it as if 
I'm being them. Well, all you and your jackbooted thug friends. <laughs> I hate when I do that, though. I do it and I catch myself. I go, I go. they hate Jews, right? But I always go, they hate fucking Jews because I'm thinking, I'm like speaking as them, like yeah. their persona, which is stupid. I shouldn't do that. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> it sounds terrible. I don't mean that. So they they hate Jews. They hate Israel. They want to wipe out the map just like, you know, your most rabid Islamist. Yeah. Right. And that's a neo-Nazi. A neo-Nazi is not um, somebody who says it's OK to be white. Right. That's not a neo-Nazi. Well, no, that's a neo-Nazi. <laughs> it's not somebody who puts a Pepe uh, uh, a frog. Uh, You're talking uh, about seek hail privilege now. So, you know, what I'm talking about, though, it, they do, though. They equate like no, I know. A, 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 a pro-white movement that says, hey, we're getting shit on. Stop shitting on us. They equate that with neo-Nazis who hate other races and think yeah. they're superior. Again, the guy races. who created Minecraft tweeted once. We've said this before. It's okay to be white. That's all he said. Yeah. And people and were like, you Nazi. He's a neo-Nazi. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nonsense. No, I know. But even if even if they meant that stuff, I don't think you're two clicks away from that, from Jordan Peterson no, and Ben not. Shapiro. No. You might get Dinesh D'Souza. And the funny part of it is, um, how do you call Ben Shapiro, who's a... Uh, I don't know if he's Orthodox Jew, but he's, he's a very, practicing very a very strict yeah. Jew. Yep. I mean, wears his yarmulke inside all yep. the time. I mean, makes no bones about it. He's a, he's yeah. a practicing. He he practices a, uh, yes, his faith very strictly. Very strict Jew. Yep. And Dinesh D'Souza, who's Indian. Yeah. You know. Well, then they another, how, how they would they would not be accepted by the Nazi Party. They, there's a, a report that came out just recently saying Lauren Chen, who used to be called Roaming Millennial, mm-hmm. she has a YouTube channel. She's Asian, Lauren Chen. Well, probably half she's Asian. Asian. Yeah, um, Asian. and she was like one of the prime, you know, prime uh, neo-Nazi adjacent people that that leads people to neo-Nazism because you know she's so she's such a right, you know, a, a, a hater, a, a racist. It's like she she's a you've, you've ever seen Lauren Chen? You ever seen? Yeah, I mean, it's like sweet. She's she's not rabid or anything. She's and she's yeah, she's a sweetheart. Yep, love to have her on the show. Oh. <laughs> but no, she's, I mean, she was at a university speaking or something and they black lives matter showed up and started screaming at her and stuff. And she's like, what are you doing? She said, I was, I was naive. She goes, I just sort of expected we were going to have a debate about stuff, yeah. but yeah. So this, again, this goes back to the thing about what the right sees and doesn't like. They sort of just walk away from for the most part. There are certainly yeah, people on the right. They are very much marginalized from the rest of the right. The rest of the right does not accept their bullshit. Right. Exactly. So, well, again, let's go no farther than this whole thing with Steve King and Ilhan Omar. And I know you and I have disagreed on this, but I think Steve King needed to be kicked out um, of his committees and all that stuff. I hope he gets primaried out. I hope he's done. I don't care what he thinks he meant to say by saying it's a whatever. It's okay to be a white nationalist. Or, yeah, when, when white nationalism becomes such a bad word or something like that. Um I think he's got to get out of there because that's just a dumb thing to say. I I know what he may have tried. I think it was inarticulate. I think he flubbed it, and I don't think he meant it like people are trying to portray it. But he can't say it like that, you know? I think you're— I think you can say it's okay to be white, and I think you can say it's okay to be, you know, a nationalist. But I think think the thing is he actually conflated the two because he was speaking about the two, and he put them together and didn't mean it. Maybe he did, but I don't think so. So I'd get rid of him. But the point was he said one thing. He put two words together that even the right went, fuck that guy. And it wasn't because they were afraid of what the liberals were going to say. They just went, no place for that. You're done. 
And maybe they overreacted. You think they do? I think, I think they, did. they didn't. Point is, it wasn't a controversy. He was out. Nobody. He was unanimously but, but the, voted but, out. But we can't. What we can agree on is that if it's that that kind of situation where he's where he's that guy's done. Can you imagine somebody who actually is um, a white nationalist right. or left right. or right right of center and completely nut job a racist? How they don't get but, they don't get to slide on any of that shit. But Ilhan Omar can say that right. hi, that. Uh, Israel has hypnotized the world, and she hopes that Allah opens everyone eye, everyone's eyes, and everyone who supports Israel is all about the Benjamins. And not only that, and if you support Israel, the only Western democracy in that entire part of the world that we have to support, yeah, that we have to, and you can have issues with Israel. Right. That's fine. We can have issues with any of our allies. We have issues. That's okay. Yeah, with, with with the kind of funding we give to any of our allies, you can yeah. have issues. I have issues with giving South Korea so much military. Um, Funding because because they don't seem to appreciate it. Look, I have issues with you, and we're still friends. But um, <laughs> but you can have issues with the countries and, yeah. and the funding of the countries. But this idea that if you do that, then you are then you are uh, um, you know beholden or not beholden. You are your loyalties are to them. Can you imagine if someone said, "Well, Ilhan Omar's from Somalia and she's a Muslim, so her allegiances with Somalia." Oh my God, yeah. people would have anti you know Muslim all this blah blah blah. All you have to do is change a couple of the words. It's just like when Candace Owens took that uh, that the tweets of Sarah Young, yeah, and substituted it for uh, black people. Yeah, the tech editor, and they, they kicked her off of Twitter for a day, and they were like, yeah. "Oh, sorry." Yeah. Well, it's just like the college professors who. Copy their paper was they copied Mein Kampf and just put like intersectionality in instead of Jews. Yeah, and people were like, "This is this is a yeah. great paper." So the idea that you know the right tolerates the stuff and the left doesn't is such bullshit. Well, was there more to that? Because I know she was talking to the 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 CEO. The CEO said, "Yeah, well, you know, we're not." She was kind of milk toast in her answer, like we're not really looking to ben, ban Ben Shapiro. Well, then, then the CEO actually at one point I saw this went said, "Well, speaking kind of came it back around to okay, speaking of your son and the 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 girl the woman that was doing the interview, Sarah oh, Kara Swisher, he's lost. Did you hear that? No. Yeah, she said that he's lost. That was her next word. And then the the CEO was like, well, well, and then she kind of went on." <laughs> And I don't know if that I didn't I saw it as transcript, so I didn't hear it as, as if she was like kidding or not. Well, maybe she's kidding, but yeah. you know, I don't know if you do that and that. Talk yeah, about kid. talk about Steve King saying something stupid. Yeah, you don't say that in that forum. You don't say in front of these tech people. Yeah. Oh, my thirteen year old kid's lost. Yeah, you know, you just don't do that. But, but then she talked about how she doesn't want to ban Ben Shapiro, but wink, wink, nod, nod. You know, we did it with with um, um, Alex Jones. Yeah, you know. So, so what are you saying? You're saying you don't run it, want it done, but you do. What was what was her 13 year old son's sin in this? He didn't disagree with her. He didn't say, "Mom, you're full of shit." You know. He said, "This guy's got it. He's he smart. Just said, he's got interesting things to say." He didn't even say he's interesting things to say. He says he's sort of smart, mm. which is absolutely true. And because her ideology is, I hate that guy. He's not human. You know, I not can, her words, what I'm projecting onto her saying. No, I can imagine there was more talk than that with yeah. her son. I can imagine at the dinner table he was bringing up points that Ben Shapiro made or that Jordan Peterson made. And he's going, well, what about this, Mom? And she's going, don't you ever, ever watch that filth again. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Sleep in the doghouse. <laughs> yeah. No iPad for you. 
Which is good because this kid's probably super red-billed now and he's going to be on our side. <laughs> I can see him like five years from now. What happened? My mom went fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, and I think it's kids Kids are going to disagree with their parents on a lot of things, especially at that especially age. Especially a woman like that. I mean, yeah. My kid is almost – that's very misogynist of you. Mm-hmm. Um, my kid is about that age and he's starting to go, Dad, you know, I think some of the stuff you're talking about is kind of full of shit and we just talk about it. You know, and I'll be like, where do you get that? And he'll say, well, I get it from this. And I'm like, well, look, here's where you're wrong. Factually, go, go check this out. And he'll come back sometimes and go, well, I found this to date. My 12 year old son has not changed my mind on anything, but I know someday that's coming. Well, I lie to kids all the time, like elaborate, stupid lies because they believe anything. (laughs) And so at, at some point they, they'll start questioning, obviously, because, you know, there's no truth to most of what I'm telling them. <laughs> you know, seriously, one of the funniest things ever. I know we're running short on time here, but this was this was great. In our old neighborhood, there was this five-year-old girl who lived down the street. And all of us neighbors would get together for, like, you know, roasting marshmallows in a fire pit and stuff. And so I walked down to tell these neighbors that we were having a fire pit and come on down. And they had just driven by. They were, like, four houses down on the other side of the street. And their daughter gets out of the car and she goes, how'd you get here so fast? Like, in her mind, I couldn't have closed that space. And I was like, and all I did was just walk. I'm sure her parents were talking to her and she was distracted. And I said, well, I flew. She goes, you can fly? I'm like, yeah, I do it all the time. She goes, do it again. I said, I can't. I'm tired. <laughs> she, goes, she goes, well, how long will it take? I said, I flew from there to here fast. I can only do that so long. You know? <laughs> and she'd be like... Can I see you fly sometime? I said, if I tell you, if I show you, then you tell everybody. And everybody's like, can we see you fly all the time? You know, can we see if, can we see you fly? And I'm like, no, I gotta, I can't show everybody. I said, look, it, it doesn't take that long. And to I'll fly. be tired all the time. I'll be tired all the time. And she's like, well, I want to see you fly. I'm like, it's not my fault you weren't looking. She, her parents told me there would be like, they'd be tucking her into bed and she'd go, can he really fly? <laughs> And her dad would go, yes. <laughs> awesome. And they, when they moved, they said, we want to thank you for all the therapy we're going to have to put our daughter through. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I had this five-year-old convinced without really even trying that I could fly. Yeah. Well, that's the most fun you can have with kids. Yeah, it's what they're for. Yep. That and mowing your lawn. Yeah. So. Well, on that note, we're running really long. So if you need to get a hold of us or just want to get a hold of us, it's rooster at com. Or crow at breadandcircusespodcast.com. That's our email. Yep. And our Facebook page is uh, Bread and Circuses Podcast on Facebook. We appreciate all the people who have been liking it. Again, if you can uh, spread the channel to people, that would be great. We'd love to have a uh, bigger audience of people to talk about and people throwing us some topics, I- topic ideas, whether it's on Facebook or uh, or sending it to us an email. Yep. So catch you next time. See you. Bye. <laughs>